This might be a question you don't want to answer. Is there beef between gear companies? At one of the trail days, I just happened to like walk by a booth and put my hand on their product and the owner like stared me down. I was like, oh boy, because he knew, because he knew you were Kaysen from Outdoor Battles. I'm sure he'd seen my pillow ads, man. You know, he's like this freaking piece of crap. Like the owner, like skirted around me 10 times. Why did you guys just list a product for sale called an ovary? How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Trail Tales. My name is Kyle O'Grady. I am a huge hiking nerd, and every single week on this video podcast, I chat with other hiking nerds about their experience on the trail. And this is going to be a great episode. I, I think I said a few intros ago, I was like, we've got some banger episodes coming out. I wasn't kidding, because this week we have Taysen, oh boy, with... <laughs> Wit, wit, oh Jesus, wit, wit, wit. <laughs> Say it again. Whitaker, Whitaker, Wit, tick, Wit, Whitaker, Wit, Aker, Wit, Taker. Okay, I'm just gonna jump back in there. Oh, that was brutal. That was one of the worst ones I've I have. Yeah. This week we have Taysen Whitaker on the show from Outdoor Vitals, and also you might know him from YouTube as well, and so. I'm really excited to talk to him, and before I bring him in, I just want to tell a little bit of a, a story, some history, my, my history with Taysen, if you will. So, as I'm sure many of you listening and watching might recall, um, there I feel like there was a period, and maybe it's even going on now, and I'm just not getting them anymore, but I feel like there was a period like a couple years ago where every single time I would click on a YouTube video, I would immediately get hey i'm tasting without revitals and i wanted to take a quick minute to talk about the design process of our ultralight stretch pillow hey this is tasting with outdoor vitals popped up as the ad before before the video started and and i got it so much i was like dude fuck this tasting guy i don't care about outdoor vitals and it wasn't because i had anything against the company i just saw the ad so many times i was like i can't i can't do it and then um eventually i kind of forgot about that because it wasn't actually a big deal obviously and I got invited on uh, his podcast, the uh, the Live Ultralight Podcast, Outdoor Vitals Podcast, and I was super stoked on it. We had a great conversation, and I was like, okay, this tasting guy is not too bad. And then at Trail Days, PCT Trail Days 2023, I had the opportunity to actually meet Tayson and spent quite a bit of time with him at Trail Days, honestly, and I just got to say, he was super genuine so like i'm a youtuber and so obviously i get like a lot of companies reaching out like offering me gear and these other things and a lot of the times you know as i've gotten to know some of the people that work at these companies it's like a it's like a business relationship which is totally understandable and there's nothing wrong with that at all but um with tason i don't know it just felt different like we were just kind of like hanging at trail days like shooting the shit like drinking beer together at one point towards the end of the night and nothing felt businessy. I don't know. It just, it just felt like he was a really genuine guy. And so without further ado, Tayson, welcome to trail tales. And I'm sorry. The first thing I said about you was I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> first off, it's been a while since I've been called a nerd. So I appreciate that. And at second, um, I'm right there with you. I get the same ads, dude. I hate them just as much as you do. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. You're just yeah, watching yourself. Like the... You're just like, oh my God, another, <laughs> how many times, you know? Um, you know, obviously like I have to also get on our website frequently and things like that. And so <clears throat> when you're doing that, you're obviously going to get served more ads, right? And so, um, no, I'm right there with you. We, we have cut back some of those ads for sure, but that's part of uh, bootstrapping a business, right? Is you don't hire actors, you, you hire yourself, I guess, to do, get yeah, stuff done. So It's fair, man. And I, I'm not, I guess I was, I was going to say I'm not hating. I guess I literally was just hating, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I understand. I definitely understand. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that are sick of seeing my annoying ass thumbnails pop up in their YouTube feed and stuff. So... I, I get it, man. And I remember I said something to you about this at Trail Days. And um, I think your response was, I don't remember exactly, but I just remember you almost seemed like frustrated because it worked. And you were like, I don't like it, but it works. That's, and so that's why we do it. That's 
we try to run the business as much as we can with with data, right? And there's a specific um, couple of ads that work. I hate, I mean, the one that works the best is like five years old, dude. My beard is like this long, right? <laughs> and I just, I'm like 20, 30 pounds heavier. And I'm just like, God, I don't want to look at that. <laughs> yeah, dude, those, those ads, like, I don't know. If it works, it works. Um, that ad, the one ad will for sure go away because we just redesigned the pillow and they're no longer even factual. Oh, so. oh yeah. It was always a pillow, wasn't it? Mm, that's that's can you, the main can one. You, why don't you just go ahead and like reenact it for us for a second? Well, <sighs> um, so there's two that work really well, but the one was... The <laughs> you don't cr- actually have to do it. I'm just fucking with you, dude. dude I, can verbatim, <laughs> I saw the look on your face there. Okay, okay, fine. Then do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Tayson with Outer Vitals. I'm the co-designer of this old, <laughs> this ultralight stretch pillow, and I just want to walk you through uh, the design process of this pillow. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, if you couldn't tell, this episode is not sponsored by Outdoor Vitals. By the way, um, I'm 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 fucking with Tayson way too much for that to be the case. Um, it is actually true. I actually meant to say this in the intro. Uh, I've never used any of Outdoor Vitals gear. And so, yeah, this isn't like a this uh, this isn't like a sponsored thing or anything. That's not why he's on here. Um, like I said at the beginning, I wanted to have him on because honestly, I had a fun time with him at Trail Days, and I thought he was a cool dude. And I want to learn all about how how you start a cottage gear company like this. You know, this is something that you know we're also immersed in the gear world. Um, all my listeners are, and it's like. We spend so much time looking at gear and shopping for gear and, and all this stuff, but it's like we don't hear the behind the scenes story of how a company comes to be. And, and so I want to hear that, dude. So can you can you start there? Like, I mean, I'm sure there's just 10 a years, lot. 10 so it might be hard to, summarize, to yeah, <clears throat> yeah. It's just it's a lot to sum up for sure. Um, I guess I'll just I'll just say, how did Outdoor Vitals start? Like, what was the very beginning like? Yeah. Um. I mean, I will just throw this out there as the disclaimer. Um, it's been a, I guess, nine and a half year journey to get to this point. This was always the dream, but when you're starting off, it's you don't always get to start building your dream perfectly right out of the gate, right? And so um, I always wanted to be like an entrepreneur growing up, but I also wanted to build a bit of a lifestyle, you know, I wanted to work in stuff that I wanted to work with. Right. So in college, I got really passionate about backpacking. I'd always been an outdoorsman and I was like an Eagle Scout and some of that, that stuff, but classic, (laughs) classic dude, grew up on like dirt bikes and in small towns in Utah. And, um, but I always loved the outdoors, but I wasn't much of a backpacker. So in college, I started to get into backpacking at the same time I was, you know, going through business school and, and, um, I'd gone and lived in Asia for a couple of years. Um, and I was like, man, how do I connect some of these dots? How do I provide quality jobs to people in Asia? How do I, um, you know, work within my passion? And then I could see, you know, I, I was always looking for like waves of opportunity and I could see how the internet at that point in time was just getting bigger and bigger. And I saw this opportunity to take, um, something and go direct to consumer with it. So I was acquiring backpacking gear. Um, and it was like, man, this is expensive in college and can't afford it, et cetera. And so I was like, what if I source this stuff and sold it direct to consumer and cut out the retail markup, right? Cause on a re- on a product, let's say you go buy the Kelty cosmic down sleeping bag, which is like the one I was looking at in college. Right. And <laughs> I was like, going to say, that's a little outdated. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, and it's like, well, it's like a $200 sleeping bag, but if I sold it direct to consumer, it'd be a hundred bucks. And so that was literally project one was sourcing, uh, sleeping bags, down sleeping bags. They were kind of comparable to that budget Kelty cosmic. Now I'll call it budget, but in my day, that was a nice bag, you know? Yeah. And, um, sourcing that and essentially selling it directly online. And so, um, did that, was able to sell a down sleeping bag for 99 bucks. And that was the start of the business. And I was literally selling samples. I didn't even have enough money to buy, like to do a production run or something. Right. So I was, I was ordering samples and kind of testing them out, making sure they were good. And then I'd order like a few samples from people or from that factory that I liked their stuff. And I was literally selling it online. Um, and then just reinvesting every penny I ever had. I was, you know, trying to find as much money as I could, you know, loan or whatever it took to, to just scale that. Because what I found pretty early on is um, I was selling them. And so I just 
needed to scale that inventory. And I remember I went from buying literally three samples to five samples to 10 samples. And then eventually I was like- What do you mean by samples? Sorry. I mean like, so like in today's day and age of design, now that we're at the level we are, right? Like you go through, like you send them what's called a tech pack, which is like your full designs, your mock-ups, your everything, you're calling out every feature of the product you're designing. And then the factory is going to make samples until they get it right. Okay. Once they get it right, um, then you're like, okay, now make like 10 of them and we're going to go do R&D with these, right? And so then you're testing those and then eventually you do the full scale order. So I was literally asking for product. They were making me samples um, like of, you know, just what I'm asking them for. And then I was literally selling those. Like nowadays we don't sell samples, right? Like they're not finished products, right? Um, right. So that was the beginning, man. Like I, and, and it was wild, dude. I, like I scaled that at some point I was like, how much would it cost for me to put my own logo on the, on the product and change the zipper and make it wider. Right. And they're like, well, if you ordered like 50 bags and I was like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of bags. That's a lot of money. Cause I had started with like 500 bucks. Right. That's what I started the company with. And, mm-hmm. um, I did it like, felt like I was, that was like the only time I felt like I was taking a risk. Uh, and we sold them in like two weeks. And I was like, holy, nice. holy crap, this is legit, you know? And so then it was just kind of off to the races. I mean, I, I lived in a thousand square foot um, side of a duplex that I had bought. And um, like floor to ceiling was sleeping bags. It was that like <laughs> our hallway was shut down for for warehousing. <laughs> and that was, that was the start, right? Um, now, I don't know. I don't know where you want to go with this because I could go a million ways. And I feel like I've told this story a bunch, but... You know, from there, it was just kind of scaling in the best way that I thought. But keep in mind, I started the company when I was 23 years old. So wow, um, nice dude. There's there was directional mistakes at times where you know maybe I I thought I needed more categories of sleeping bags instead of like to expand wide. I went deep and just lots of things like that. But but overall, um, you know, we we continued to grow and grow. And then in 2018, um, we had we had done one Kickstarter campaign, but we went to do our second Kickstarter campaign. And for a long time, people had asked us to do apparel, right? Because we'd done sleeping bags from the very beginning. And they're like, why don't you make a puffy jacket? So we made a puffy mm-hmm. jacket. It used um, a very high-end Looseville synthetic. And so kind of the pitch on it was like, this is down that you can get wet and it's not going to fail on you. And we pre-sold a hundred, or we pre-sold a million dollars worth of that jacket. And Damn, I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's pros no, and cons. That's impressive, dude. I'm sure you guys were uh, were pretty stoked on that. Well, we were because I leveraged every possible angle I could out of that. Um, I went and hired a full-time designer because to that point, I was doing all the design work in my extra time, right? Um, we went and pitched to, you know, just tried to get in with the absolute best factories in the world. And every one of them, you know, saw what we did and they're like, yeah, you're an up-and-comer. We'll start working with you right now. Uh, fabric mills, you know, all, so it just opened up all these doors and I just leveraged every bit of that that I could. And then it was off to the races for the next couple of years to redesign all of the gear to improve and roll out new gear and just really become an innovator in a, in a, in a brand that would be known for high end performance. Um, yeah. And so it took a, you know, we're two, three years of, of doing that. And then I feel like the last maybe two years, the public is like, whoa, like, who are these guys? <laughs> you know, like I, I was going to say, it sounds like you guys have been around for a long time then, but I feel like I didn't. And again, I'm pretty in tune with this stuff, obviously. Yeah. I feel like I didn't really hear about you guys until maybe yeah, like 2018, 2019, basically when I saw your ads popping up on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that like around that same time is when we started doing those pillows and those were some ads that we really scaled very fast and and um had good returns with. So yeah. yeah, we probably came on the scene a little bit there. Um but yeah, I feel like it's it's been kind of that like nine year journey to get to where we are today, which is like the goal the whole time. But for most companies, they this the companies that really hit it off are like their second, third, fourth companies. Right. And for me, it was only ever going to be one. Like I only ever, I mean, I had mentors that were like telling me to sell the business in 2016, 2017 and start the next one. And I was just like, if I sold the business today, I would just want to start the same business tomorrow. So like, why would I sell it? Right. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, we have, I have some strong opinions when it comes to 
business models and the way business should be done. And I'm, I'm very anti-venture capital and selling equity and changing values of the company over time. And, you know, those kinds of things, I'm, I'm really against it. I'd rather be that company that just has steady growth, consistent growth for 50 years, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Well, it sounds like you guys are well on your way. It's, it's cool to hear that. Yeah. Like for some reason, I, I thought that, you know, you guys were like kind of new still, but it's, I mean, I guess it makes sense thinking about it. It's like very rarely do things just like pop off out of nowhere. Like there's a lot of hard work that goes on for a long time behind the scenes before you start to get noticed. So yeah, I think that's really, um, I think that's really cool. And then another thing about Outdoor Vitals that I think is quite unique actually, and maybe there's others doing this, but it doesn't seem like I can't think of any, maybe you can, but I can't think of any other cottage, you know, backpacking companies doing this on the scale that you guys are anyway. And that's the social media thing. You guys are posting a lot, not just ads on YouTube, but like lots of YouTube videos and not just, you know, videos to try to explain your products, but, um, actual like backpacking advice kind of YouTube videos. And then you have the podcast and you're interviewing lots of different people. And again, I was on that podcast. It wasn't just, you know, you guys shilling your products at all, really. It was a genuine backpacking podcast. And so I think that's really neat, honestly. And like I said, pretty unique. And and so how did the idea to start all this content come into play? Was that your idea? Yeah. um, If you go... If you go way back, dude, um, back in that duplex that the company was technically started in, you will find videos of me sitting in front of a my little coffee table. I'm sitting on a five-gallon bucket, but you can't see it. Sitting in front of just like <laughs> drapes in front of my window. And I was explaining basically how to take care of a down sleeping bag. And the idea from the very beginning was we can do this direct to consumer. We can do this online. And we can make it feel like a mom and pop shop that everyone wants to actually do business with or, or support. Um, but we can scale it like we're North Face, if that makes sense. So we can give you the benefits of, of the latest, best technologies. And we can give you the, um, the benefits of economies of scale and some of those. But, but there's a real person on the other end. So to this day, we get emails every single week like, hey, Tayson, I have this question about this product. And I love that, even though I'm not answering yeah. them, right? Um, yeah. Because it, it feels personal, right? When you think about going back to, say, the North Face, um, you know, what are you supporting? Honestly, if you guys, like, go look up who owns Arteryx, you may be surprised it's not someone in the U.S. It's not someone in Canada. Um, you know, things like that. It's So it's it's just been, it gets handed off venture capital, venture capital company, and, and there's different goals every time it gets handed off. And so, so that was goal one, but goal two, um, like you'll see on my hat here, there's an owl, right? And, and the idea was when I was starting the company, YouTube was getting big, um, it was already big, but, um, it was, it, we were turning this corner where people wanted to start nerding out on gear and knowing stuff for themselves instead of going to REI and being like, what gear do I need? Just load up the cart with some sales rep. Um, and so the idea was, was an owl is a symbol of wisdom to a lot of people. And, and it's like, we're opening this age where people want to know their own stuff. They want to be their own wise owls per se, or they want to. And so the idea from the beginning was to be extremely transparent and to educate people. And the purpose of the business is, is to inspire people to get outside, right. To, to help people connect with the vital outdoors. Uh, I think that that's something that's just always, always resonated with me is the idea of, um, we live in this crazy tech-filled world, and if we can get people to disconnect from tech for a, for a second, you know, and get out there and reconnect with themselves or friends or family, um, it goes a long ways, right? So, so part of that is is knowing and trusting their gear, which comes with transparency, and part of that is just mm-hmm. eliminating unknowns, right? You're scared of unknowns. If you've never been around a grizzly bear, you're going to be twice as scared as if you've been around a grizzly bear, right? And so. When you talk about like, or people are literally so scared of pooping in the woods, right? It's like, okay, someone's <laughs> yeah. got to talk about pooping in the woods so that people aren't scared of it. I feel like one of, of those examples is much more scary than the <laughs> other one, but but go on. <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We know which one you're talking about too. <laughs> um, no. So, so like, yeah, eliminating fears, being transparent, education were all things that from the very beginning I wanted because I wanted people to... Um, yeah, be their own experts, get out of their own way and, and actually get outside. Mm-hmm. No, dude, that's super cool. Like, I don't even think we really got into that um, at Trail Days. 
which I guess makes sense because like I said in the intro, we weren't really talking about business that much. We were kind of just talking about talking about life, dude. Um, well, and that, I would say that's part of like, I guess if we if you call it a strategy, I guess everything is has a strategy in the back end, but it's like until we have a product that you absolutely love, like we haven't earned, we haven't earned it. And, and like, yes, there's always the monetary side of, of like a business and an influencer. Right. But, um, I'll play the long game. If our gear isn't good enough for someone to actually in organically use it, then I don't really want that partnership anyways. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep essentially just trying to improve our gear until we, we went over more and more people. Yeah, man. What can you think of like one of the biggest mistakes that you guys have made maybe in the early days? Um, <sighs> anything, I, I'm sure there were lots as there is going to be with any, um, business or any, you know, venture like this. Can you think of any, I, this, I probably should have given you this one ahead of time, but, um, yeah, any anything that don't make mistakes, maybe is noteworthy yeah. or comes to mind <laughs> or something funny, bad, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I've got a few for you. Uh, number okay. one, we, for a long time, I don't know why, dude. I hate naming products. It's my least favorite thing. And, and most people on the team hate it as, just as much, right? And we a lot of times we'd put the letters OV for Outdoor Vitals in front of product names. And we listed a product for sale. Um, we came up with this... I don't even know what the origin of the word is. Probably Latin. Um, airy was the, it's, it's basically a, a roost for like a, a bird of prey or something, right? Like a raptor. Okay. And so we put on the website, when we list this product for sale, OV Airy. And we, no one had thought anything about it. And someone's like, why did you guys just list a product for sale called an ovary? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm looking for with this question, dude. That's so good. Oh man. Yep. So <laughs> I could. I hearing you explain it like that, though. Like I see the logic. <laughs> How quick did you have to be like, oh shit, we better change yeah, that. Yeah, it was pretty quick. As soon as that came up, we're like, get it down. What are we doing? Um, yeah. Oh, that's so good, dude. That was a that's good so one. good. Oh man. Um, <laughs> It's exactly. See, I wasn't sure if putting you on the spot like that, if you were going to have something good. I thought you were going to be like, oh, you know, we ordered too much inventory one time. That was that was perfect. It's so good. Okay, so I want to go back to the content creation thing. Just Mm -hmm. just for like one more question here, because, again, that is something so unique about you guys. Was there ever like, I don't know a drive or a passion, a desire to do that unrelated to outdoor vitals, maybe even before outdoor vitals, or was it, or was that something that you kind of started doing purely because of outdoor vitals in relation to outdoor vitals, if that makes sense? Yeah. I would say I was always a big, uh, YouTube consumer. Um, so then Same. if you're a big consumer, then you, you know, you might think about creating at some point. It wasn't until Outdoor Vitals was a thing that that pushed me to do something, right? And so, I I, will, I would not have a channel I don't without Outdoor Vitals, right? But that push got me started, and then over the years, I've learned to enjoy it. And just like with any job or whatever, like there's times when you're like, ah, like it feels like work, right? And there's times when you're like, I really enjoy this. Um, and there's times when it's so tough because like most people's biggest gear video or videos are like gear reviews and stuff like that, which we can't do. Like there's no authenticity, authenticity in us, like doing a gear review or a comparison. Right. <laughs> that would be kind of funny. Yeah. You just start doing gear reviews on your channel and every review is just like five out of five, just the yeah. best, the best thing you've ever heard. Well, or like if I was to <laughs> and compare then you could things, review right? other people's dude, you could review other companies <sighs> gear and just be like this, this Z pack sucks. Freaking ULA sucks. All these companies. I'd love <laughs> to. I'd, I'd, I'd no. <laughs> like the things i would like when you get to sit in the seat i get to sit in right which is like i get to sit down with fabric mills at the base level designing fabrics i get to sit down with cut and sew shops all over the world i get to you get to see all these things and so then when you go look at products you see things other people don't so i would love to do that but again it's like a that doesn't seem like the right thing to do right um yeah people (laughs) probably even if you were being genuine i think people would probably see 
not see through, but you know, not so. You, I'll write the scripts. I'll send them to you, and then you can be like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, look at this scene, dude. This scene sucks. It should totally <laughs> so be double funny, stitched dude. here. Boom, rips open. No, um, damn. <laughs> no, so, but it's hard to be a YouTube creator as a business because there's a lot of videos that are taboo for us, and so that's made it hard over time. But um, over time. I do, I do enjoy YouTube when, I, especially if I just have the time to do it. Like, it's hard to be doing it on top of just being the the owner runner of a of a company, right? I and can so, imagine. Um, yeah. that gets really challenging because you're always like, this isn't my best work. Like, if I could just dedicate this, dedicate my time to this, like, I could create so much better content. And um, and even re- recently, I've been like, we have two channels. Technically, we have one called the Outdoor Vitals official channel where we put stuff that we don't care about like the algorithm on you know um, just like instructional yeah. like informational about the like for people that are like you know on the website looking to buy something that kind of stuff mm-hmm. yeah but like the the main channel outdoor vitals just that main channel is so tied to me that i've even thought about like should i just rename this you know what i mean and and like just be like <laughs> number one promoter of outdoor vitals still but like make it more personal so it doesn't feel like a business YouTube channel so much because that's yeah. where our best content is, is when it's just me creating and not, you know, doing anything. I don't know. So it's, but I do at the core, back to your main question, like I do enjoy it, um, especially if I have the time to, you know, do a little bit of planning and then execute on that. So yeah, and we've, and we've moved into documentaries lately um, with bigger hikes and as a team, and I've really enjoyed those too. Yeah, dude, that sounds super cool. Um, one thing, I, I feel like I might have asked you this at Trail Days. I can't remember. <laughs> you don't remember much my head. from Trail Days? <laughs> <laughs> I, I only had a couple beers, right? No. Um, I think I must have because it, this was one of the first questions that popped into my head when I was like planning earlier. So, you, you, and actually, you just somewhat alluded to this a little bit indirectly a minute ago. So, talking about other like gear companies, I'm wondering, is there beef between gear companies like this? Like, I'm not asking you to call anyone specifically or okay. anything like that, yeah. but I'm just, I'm just wondering. Like, obviously, like it's a very competitive market. I can't imagine it's, you know, there's a huge, huge customer base either, and it yeah. does seem like there's more and more gear companies, cottage companies specifically, popping up like every single day. And so, yeah, is there is there ever like any like beef or like drama, any? Any mm-hmm. shit talking between these companies? People are gonna hate me for asking this, but I don't know. I, I love I, it. I'm curious. I love it. I'm curious. Yeah. Um, so let me start off with this. There is a lot of companies, right? Um, anytime you're in like a passion based business, people will start companies all the time, and a lot of companies don't make it, right? But it's like, oh, like I could potentially start this company, and it's, it's so easy. They jump in, and, and then it, they're like, oh, after on a business, like things are going south, right? Um, yeah. For me, my personal take is you know to use like a sports analogy it'd be like i like to leave the play on the field right like meaning um i want to beat you at the game not you know shit talk off the field or like go find you in the locker room and and have a showdown right um (laughs) and, and for me too because i think i have that strategy and i'm willing to just bet that bet on myself and the company and the team here that will will continue to innovate, get better all the time and and make it to the top, right? Um, I don't feel the pressure to be like threatened and need to attack. I mean, it's in all, in all reality, like it's a big market. Ultra light is a, is a small niche, right? Um, but the outdoor industry as a, as a whole is, is a big market. And so yeah. um, to me, there are some brands out there that are kind of known like, uh, like the owners per se are a little more cheeky or, um, I think they feel very attacked or offended, uh, at times. Like I remember one of the trail days, I just happened to like walk by a booth and put my hand on their product and the owner like stared me down and I was like, Oh, oh boy. All right. Because he knew, because he knew you I'm were sure he'd seen my pillow ads, buttons. man. You know, he's like yeah. this freaking <laughs> piece of crap um so (laughs) you know but like so there's some of that there's other people that yeah i think they just take take it maybe like and i think that there's pressures that come on people right like if their business is struggling um then you're like going into defense mode right um yeah versus if you can run your 
your company and, and a little more stably. Or like, I remember I stopped by one booth and I had a totally mixed experience. Like the director of marketing walked up to me and like was a f- was way cool and was like, dude, we should go hiking together and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah. And then like the owner like skirted around me 10 times and didn't say hi. Right. Ooh. Um, so just like, I don't know. I really don't know. I just know from my perspective, it's like, dude, I'd be happy to have anyone come up put their hands on my gear. Cause I know if, if they really want to, they're going to order it anyways and see it. You know, it's not like, it's not like you, you can't do recon on companies. Right. Um, yeah. and, and say hi to me, you know, face to face. Like I don't have a problem with that. Um, cause I, yeah, to me, we're leaving it on the field and we can talk off yeah, the man. field. <laughs> that's a good, uh, that's a good attitude. That's a good attitude. This, this show is just turning into a drama show. I swear to God. No, um, I don't, I had to ask it. And, and yeah, I thought of this question when I was at trail days, cause just like seeing all these different companies, you know, competitors you're next to each other. Right. Exactly. You're, you're right. That you're, you're walking by each other in the, in the bathroom and when in the beer line and stuff like, I don't know. I just, I thought that was interesting, dude. Um, and another question I have speaking of other, uh, companies, this might be one, this might be a question you don't want to answer, but you have to, um, no, you don't have to, but, um, it's actually not that bad. Do you have any like guilty pleasure products from other companies? That you like secretly love and or secretly maybe use. Oh, um, oh man, that is a good question. Usually, <clears throat> this is gonna sound this is gonna sound bad. Um, <laughs> if I do, I get it, I use it, and then I make it better and sell it for myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, so, it doesn't sound bad. So, like, I'm not saying you know. Okay, so that's a one. I have, um, I can't remember if they're from Z-Packs or Enlightened Equipment, but I think they're from Enlightened Equipment. Um, I have their rain mitts. Um, I honestly don't like them. <laughs> I want to make them better, but I do use them because they're so freaking light and they block the wind decent and they keep rain off my hands for like, you know, mm-hmm. 20 minutes or so uh, before they mm-hmm. wet out. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, but like that's like one of those where it's like, you know, they make it in my pack quite a bit. Um let me think of other things that I've made. I've never used rain mitts before, to be honest. Dude, dude, we'll come out one day. One day we'll come out with like a glove system. And uh, But in the meantime, get rain mitts. And then between rain mitts and just a liner glove, you can do so much. Because so much uh, heat is stolen from you by the wind. Like so mm-hmm. much. So it's not just for the – it's not just for – the rain, right? It's just blocking wind. Like I wear those liners. I was actually just reviewing a video. Um, you know, we were out there snow skiing and cross country skiing into a a camping spot. And I was like, Oh, my hands are getting cold. And I just put on the mitts, you know, dead of winter, 10,000 feet. And I just had the mitts on because you're, you're emitting so much heat. So as long as you can just keep the wind from stealing it, you're fine. Right. And, And so that's all I was wearing. Um, but that like for a layering system, start with those two pieces. And then, you know, when you're getting into really cold, then you'd add like an actual insulated glove, but you can still put those mitts over the top of it. Right. So, yeah. um, you can dry them out. You can, yeah, anyways, you'll, one day we'll release a set, but, yeah. but I do and, love and those mitts, mitts. Those mitts in that story there you were talking about were the enlightened equipment ones. Pretty sure they're enlightened equipment, but I think Z packs cool. make some, but they're things I don't like. They wet out really quick. And they are very lightweight fabric. Like, um, yeah. Don't don't pick up a stick. You know what I mean? <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But don't dude, I use them, so they're good. They're good. Go buy some. <laughs> yeah. Which is a great segue into this episode sponsor, Enlightened Equipment. No, just kidding. Um, I had to. Dude, you should. Dude, uh, you should have set me up that way, dude. Like, you should have had Enlightened Equipment sponsor this. How great would that have been? I know that would have been good. Um, but I didn't know. I didn't know. Um, since we're since we're we're doing the spicy questions right now. Uh, this might be one of the spiciest ones. And honestly, Tayson, uh, I hope you don't take offense to this. I, I'm probably going to have a hard time wording it. Um, and so, like I said uh, at the beginning of the episode, I've never actually used Outdoor Vitals equipment. So I, I, I'm not saying it's good. and I'm definitely not saying it's bad either. And I, in fact, I have actually heard a lot of good things. Um, Syntax 77, I know he really likes your guys' stuff. And uh, I've seen your Outdoor Vital stuff in a lot of his videos. But anyways, um, I have looked at a lot of the stuff on the website. And for some... I don't know, dude. It just... 
I don't even. This might not even be a question. This might just be a criticism, and then you can just take and it. you can just run with it. Just take it. It just seems like a lot of the stuff. And again, I haven't looked at everything, but a lot of the items I've looked at, they don't seem like they're any lighter than your competitors. And in fact, they actually seem like they're maybe just an ounce or two heavier most of the time, and, and mm-hmm. not ridiculously heavy. Mm-hmm. They certainly are still ultra light, um, but they're just not. I don't know. They're not looking at the the weight and the price, and and the price is fine. It's not super expensive, but it's not that much better than your competitors either. And again, I'm generalizing here, but I just I don't know. It just I don't feel the a, a super strong urge to get outdoor vitals stuff because it's not that much. It's not it's not mm-hmm. that much lighter than a lot of other stuff, and it's not that much cheaper and i feel like for me anyways those are the two things that i look at when i'm trying to buy new gear so i don't know yeah not really a question um run with that dude prove me okay. wrong yeah um <clears throat> what you're saying is not false um and it's very much on purpose uh we in our design process um so we have a, we have a, a full-time designer and then i do a lot of the design uh testing improving and ideation with him um but very much so we don't design a product based off of being the class leading lightest product. We design it off of what we call performance in the field. Um, okay. So as you see with our YouTube channel and, and if you listen to our podcast, like we, we do try to spend a lot of time, a lot of time in the field, personally testing the products. Um, so for instance, um, our tent, for instance, uh, it, at one point we did have a tailored foot box to be like a 20, 20 some like a low twenties, uh, foot, foot side. Um, you know, and then like in a one person, you've just got the one vestibule, right? Well, after taking it into the field and, and being in the middle of the Uinta mountain range wilderness, um, it's not always easy to find a perfect tent pitching spot. And sometimes your head end has to be uphill and your vestibule has to be off this side, right? And so like we ended up switching it to be just a, a square floor plan, right? And that added weight back into that tent. But it was one of those clear examples of like in the field, this just didn't work. Like we ran into issues multiple times in one trip. So we don't do it that way. Other companies do it that way where they literally have like a 21 inch toe side. Like you don't want to put your head over there, right? Like, or you're like your shoulders, my, my shoulders wouldn't even fit there, right? So, um, so that's like an example of that. Same with, with, uh, like our rain jacket, our rain jacket's a really awesome piece. It uses two different membranes in it, which to our knowledge, it's the only rain jacket in the world that uses two membranes, um, to target where it can, where it can never wet out, right? Like on backpack straps and stuff like that, where it'll never wet out due to a hydrophobic membrane. Um, but then it's got a slightly more breathable membrane in other areas of the jacket. Um, <clears throat> but we tested a seven denier piece, right? Like we, we specifically made sample yardage and made a jacket in a seven denier jacket, which is what two companies we've already mentioned on this run their jackets in like seven to 10 deniers, right? Um, Brigham, who was phenomenally careful with his gear, took the jacket out of the box, went to zip it up, snagged the zipper on the fabric and it ripped a hole in it. And he Damn. put it right back in the box. And that was the end of our seven denier conversations, right? Um, because to us, that wouldn't have never held up in the field never held up in the field and a rain jacket's a most people don't think about this but like that's you between that's the difference between you and hypothermia right so for us while people get super crazy about gear um and being the ultralight guys um a lot of those people are summer backpackers in warm climates and good conditions we out here in the west in the in the winter we go to ten thousand feet in the summer we go to ten thousand feet and you get all sorts of of everything getting thrown at you and so we just we don't prioritize the light lightweight is a huge factor in what we do. Um, but it is not the first and foremost factor that cuts off everything else. And so I think what you would find is that, um, and I think what, you know, what I hope most people are finding is that the more that they use the gear and they take it out, the more they fall in love with the gear. But on paper, it doesn't always look that way. You take our shadow light backpack, which is kind of our first ultralight backpack. And instead of being like, how can we get this as lightweight as possible? We said, we have to keep it under two pounds. Let's give them the most amount of features and comfort that we can under two pounds. But let's not make mm-hmm. it an 18-ounce backpack. Does that make yeah. sense? So it's a different no, that strategy. Makes, 
Yeah. No, that was that was a great answer, dude. By the way, to a not super easy or coherent, for that matter, question. Um, <laughs> no, no, that that does make a lot more sense, and I definitely am biased because I'm one of those people that weight is like honestly like my number one concern mm-hmm. um, most of the time anyways yeah you're, and that's you're not a to say frameless backpacker which just says I, everything yeah, i need to f- know about you <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> no but i i am and so like for me like i said earlier the weight is like super important and honestly kind of going back to what you just said about um the conditions that people are hiking into you know I wouldn't say that I'm only a fair weather hiker per se, but I'm definitely a three season hiker. I'm not going out at 10,000 feet in the winter, like you just said. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's not even a concern for me when it comes to gear. And so that could be another reason why, you know, I'm a little more biased towards the, the, uh, the lightweight stuff. So, well, I mean, that was a good answer. I had thought about sharing this story later on, but um, I mean, I have an example of why it was critical, right? Let's do it. So my uh, my go-to story, Kyle. Uh, okay. This is the end of the episode story, everyone, by the way. We're just going <laughs> to throw it in, not at the end of the episode. Cut it in. Um, so don't complain that I forgot to ask him at the end of the episode, because this is it, just, to be, just like, to be clear. okay. This is like one of those situations where um, it could be something that would keep people from going out on trail, but my goal is a owner of a company, a gear designer, you know, is, is that we are eliminating these variables so that people have the confidence to get out. But we were doing a hundred and roughly 110 mile hike through the Uintas, the Uinta Highline Trail, middle of August, right? Should have been the, the, the most prime time to go do this trail. And, um, we were, we were close to 80 miles in, 70 miles in. And, um, that day we just got hit with a crazy storm and we were having more storm come in. And so we're in the middle. We already had to send someone home for altitude sickness, send someone off trail. Um, Not we're, al- we're doing altitude sickness, altitude sickness. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> we were, sorry. We were talking before this. I put out a video. Uh, it'll be a little while after, by the time this comes up. Anyway, I put out a video and I said altitude and people are lighting me up in the comments for it. And so Taysa and I were joking about that before the episode. Sorry. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah. So, I mean, we we're we we're trying to crush miles. We we're doing uh, between 20 and 24 miles a day. The, the trail averages 10,000 feet. So, um, and then you're just kind of going through passes. Beautiful trail, but middle of August, you, I mean, we're hiking in shorts and trail runners, right? Just like anyone should, right? And uh, we get hit with the storm and it just gets worse and worse and worse. Um to the point that we're in the the middle of, of this massive basin. And this, this is like just really, really remote country, right? It's not like you just walk out to a road. It's not like you just call your buddy to come pick you up. Um, and we're, we're, we've, we're pretty familiar with the mountain range and we went to go up through this pass and it just started dumping snow on us, sort of lightning. Like, so you have lightning and snow at the same time. If you've never experienced that, it's a pretty cool thing, uh, when you're not in trail runners and shorts. Um, yeah, but <laughs> so we ended up having to run back down the mountain and basically set up camp for the night. And we're just kind of like down there, just hoping that it doesn't snow all night and that it's going to take us off trail and like, what's our contingency plans. And, um, anyways, I mean, so we're like, by the time we get camp set up, we're like borderline hypothermic, right? Um, it's getting way cold and get into the gear and, and get into the bag, spend the night, um, and wake up the next morning to just tons of snow. There's like over a foot of snow up in the pass. Um, just, just, yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was like next level. Like you're like, this is, feels like the dead of winter and it's the dead of summer. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, so we end up waiting, waiting it out just a little bit longer. Finally, we just decide like, there's no way because there's way more technical passes to come. And if we don't get off trail where we're at, then it's just going to get harder to get off trail. It could be a, you know, like an 18 mile hike out to a trailhead. Um, and so where we were at, it was about a 12 mile hike out to a trailhead. That trailhead is on a dirt road in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. So it's like a three hour drive from any major city. Um, but we essentially were able to like get in there, get off trail. Um, and yeah, just one of those, those times where it's just like, it was just the most bizarre, crazy thing, you know, to get, to get snowed off of a trail in August. Right. Yeah. That is crazy. We definitely, that doesn't happen on the East coast. That's for sure. Um, 
Dude, what what is the deal with this? Uinta, is that how you say it? Uinta mm-hmm. Highline Trail? Mm-hmm. I, it, it's been brought up briefly on the show before, but um, this I don't know much about this trail. Uh, again, I think this is something that we talked about actually at Trail Days. It's like, I've heard that the resupply is pretty, or actually non-existent, right? Because it's only like a hundred, what, 110-ish mile trail? Uh-huh. Yep, yep. And you there's basically potentially can't one point. There's potentially one point to resupply, but it's not like it's in the middle. It's um, it's like twenty, maybe twenty five. No, it's probably it's probably thirty miles in. Thirty miles in from the. What one, do you mean by the, potentially resupply? Um, if you have someone resupply you by driving two hours on a dirt road, um, from a city <laughs> in the that's three hours from Salt Lake City, you know, in the middle of nowhere. So there's yeah. actually a company, so they come and go all the time, but there's, there's historically there has been a company that would do a resupply for you. Um, but you're only 30 miles in, right? So it's tough to justify really needing that resupply if you're covering a lot of miles, but the people that hike it in like 10 yeah. days, then they'll, they'll do the resupply. Right. But that's the only one, like other than that, you don't cross a dirt road the entire hike. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's the alert that's, to it. Yeah. Is it is, it's true I wilderness. Know, I guess. Yeah, interesting. Um, very general question, but again, I don't know much about this trail, and I think it. I've heard really cool things, and so I am interested in doing it one day. Um, the regular listeners of the show know that I love these shorter through hikes, um, the lesser known trails, I call them. Um, what are some other things that people should know about this trail, or or like, what are like some of the unique aspects of it? Cool things that would entice someone who likes these shorter trails like myself to uh, potentially Mm -hmm. go do it? Um, For starters, you spend like 80, 85% of your time above 10,000 feet, which means that you have the views of being above 10,000 feet, right? So you're above tree line. You can see for ever in every direction. Um, It's just absolutely gorgeous. It's green. There's water everywhere. Um, just, I don't know, like you're going through pass after pass. So like in a day, you're going to go through a handful of passes per day, typically, and you get to the top mm-hmm. of every pass and you just get to look over the next 10 to 20 miles of, of beautiful country. I remember the first time I went there, I was like, this is what I thought Alaska would be like. It's kind of like wow. how I relate it to, okay. um, just, just, just incredibly pretty. Um, the trail itself is challenging to get on and off because the one side is maybe an hour and change from Salt Lake city, but the other end is like four to five hours from Salt Lake city or any major city. Right. And so that's, that's always the hardest part with this is, and like I say, sometimes there's shuttle services that come and go and and some things, but, um, that's the hardest part. I mean, there's people also that just don't do well at altitude. We've had to send two people off that trail that have attempted it with us that just either couldn't make the miles or couldn't handle the altitude. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those trails that like, if there's times that I think in other trails, like it's kind of like the John Muir trail. I would, I would imagine I haven't been on the John Muir actually. I haven't ever got the permits for it. Um, but you're, you're just at altitude most of the time, you know, like, so if you like wanted to go on the John Muir, but you're not a guy who's going to like camp on permits, like go do this trail. You're going to get an amazing experience out of it. There's, there's lakes all over if you're a fisher, um, you know, just, yeah, it's incredible country. Yeah, dude. Did you say, did I hear this right? 80% of it roughly, um, is above tree line. Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. I don't know. That kind of freaks me out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but that's another dude. This, so the second attempt after we got snowed off, we went back the next year to complete the trail to do the to do it. So we started on the other end and did the 110 miles the opposite way. Um, okay. we got up through this pass called North pole pass. Um, and <laughs> that's, that's a hell of a name for a pass, Tim. <laughs> yeah. And we're coming down off of it and we're, there's like a five to 10% chance of weather on the, on the Garmin. Like we pulled weather on the Garmin in reach okay. and we get down off and onto this like shelf, but we're still at, uh, probably 11,500 feet. And we're like, we're down in this bowl. There's no clouds in sight. Five to 10% chance on the in reach of a storm. Like we're good. We set up camp, go to bed, 
midnight hits and I just wake up to like this huge, massive gust rattling my, my tent. Right. And I'm I don't like, like that. Oh man, I wake up and then I just hear this thunder clap in the distance and I'm like, Oh no. And so you guys are, you're up at 11,000. You're, so you're above tree line, way above tree line, yep. uh, just in this like big that. open basin. And the thing about those basins is they're mainly rock. So it's just this big echo chamber. And so I laid there for an oh. hour just listening to thunder, you know, clapping, counting. Every time I'd hear it, I'd see a flash. I'm starting to count one, two, three. And I'm just thinking the whole time, I'm like, if anyone gets struck by lightning, it's on me, right? It's like, it's my company. This is a company trip. Like, like, oh my gosh, this was so, it was, it was one of the most terrifying hours of my entire life um dude that sounds like a nightmare for me uh, again the regular <laughs> listeners know that like lightning is like probably my number one fear backpacking and and i'm an east coaster too so most of the time when i've been in lightning storms i've been like in the woods where it's pretty damn safe so like being above tree line like that in a lightning storm dude uh, i was thinking everyone was thinking about like we were all so freaked out that like one of the guys on the team was like, oh, yeah, I had like a fleece beanie on and it was rubbing against the tent and I got nervous about static electricity. So I like crawled into the very, you know, like or or like I, some of the guys were like lowering their trekking poles on their shelters. Right. <laughs> like, oh, man. like, what are you going to do? Like wait. move it down like two inches. Right. I was like, yeah, right. I was like, oh, I'm glad my, my trekking poles are carbon fiber. They don't conduct electricity. Right. Like you're thinking about you're everything, just like, dude. You're, you're just like convincing yourself. <laughs> yeah, dude, so sketch. See, I do the I do the opposite there. Like when I'm in those situations, every little thing convinces me that I'm like more at risk. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's, Oh, that sounds super sketchy. It is. It, I know like, again, I'm not, I'm primarily an East coast hiker. Um, you know, I did the PCT, but lightning doesn't happen very much on the PCT. And so I know in other places like Colorado, you know, up at elevation, it's during the summer. It's like every day basically is my understanding. Anyways, um, is Utah, like that as well is it like summer lightning storms like pretty consistent or is it more like the pct where it's definitely a lot more rare no there's especially like the date range that you could hike the uintas in um it's it's kind of what we'd call monsoon season and you can there's certain places you can go to like um I don't know, like, cause usually it's like July into August. So you can have an early monsoon season or a late monsoon season. Um, but it's definitely a factor on that trail. Um, if you, I heard, I've heard this, I haven't looked up this stat for myself, but if you took the, you went to mountain range out of Utah, um, it would make Utah the driest state in the lower 48. Um, because those, that mountain range collects so much moisture. Um, Interesting. it gets so much weather. And so, and a part of that is cause it's, it's one of the only mountain ranges that run, um, east to west. Right. And most of the wind is blowing north to south in Utah. And so pretty much anything coming across the state almost ends up coming over the top of the Uintas and it being such a tall mountain range, it, it just collects so much, much weather. So it is a factor. You can definitely watch weather. You can watch the monsoon seasons and, and you know, help with that. But um, I always would tell someone like, regardless of what you're doing, it's wise to plan one day for weather, like at least one day of like, you may have to sit out a day and, and Interesting. go back to things. So, Oh, that scares me. I'm, I'm <laughs> honestly feeling less likely that I'll do this trail after oh, this conversation. I just thought you wouldn't do it because you had to pack five days of food, you know, or something. Oh, I don't like that either. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we talked about. I'm pretty sure at trail base. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't like having, I mean, I, I could do it on the PCT. I did it, but no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, but. Do you own damn, a framed that, pack? No. Oh my gosh. I don't. Yeah. And on the PCT, dude, when we were going through the Sierras, so it's similar. It's like, you know, hundred plus mile food carries and you have to have a bear canister there. And so I was using a ULA CDT frameless pack and that thing was loaded the <laughs> fuck up to the brim, dude. And I, I complained about it a ton um, in the vlogs from that time and like my shoulders were destroyed, dude. My hips, they're like still bruised to this day. Oh, like gotta help just you. ridiculous. And right. we were when doing you like pretty... need, when you finally decide to take on a framed backpack, let me know. I think <laughs> you will like our CS40 carbon fiber frame. So the frame itself is one ounce, 0.9 ounces, right? 
So that's where I'm like, like let's let's debate this right now. Let's, let's go into <laughs> combat mode here. Um, well, I mean, for something like that, I certainly, if I had to do it again, and also not in the context of a through like if I if I was doing a JMT, for instance, mm-hmm. yeah. then I think I would consider it for sure. Yeah. Um, but okay, okay. If I didn't need the bear can, that would have been a couple extra pounds. I wouldn't have had to carry, and it really at that point, it's really only bad for like two days. I don't know. It's it, nice it take that it gets progressively better, right? That's always helpful. Yes, yeah, it is for sure. Yeah, that was that was some shit because there's nothing like that on the AT. You know, there's a couple spots where you technically have to use bear cans, but they're short sections, and as long as you're not camping in them, you don't need to have one, and so you can just zip right through them, no problem. And then in terms of the distance between resupplies, there's the hundred mile wilderness. That's it. That's the only time you're going 100 miles without resupply. And even, it's, even it's there, known. I'm pretty it's sure. Got got exactly. Like <laughs> and, and even there, I'm pretty sure there's people who you can pay that will do food drops for you in the middle of it. And so it's, it, don't quote me on that because I never used them, but like even it's not that bad. And so, yeah, yeah dude, that was the only that. time the before mountains. the PCT in my life that I'd carried more than four days worth of food. <laughs> yeah, the mountains to me are just, where I want to be. And so like this year we did the Colorado trail, that trail, I mean, you could have forced a resupply earlier, but like, like when we start on the Durango side going kind of North or I guess they call it eastbound, um, you still would have had like had to go about 80 miles unless you had someone drive up a crazy dirt road. Right. So yeah, I think out here in the mountains, I don't know, like between that and being in a dry state, like there's a lot of times I'm carrying four liters of water. When I came and hiked out of Damascus on the AT, um, so I went north out of Damascus a hundred miles, um, after trail days. And we, I want to say I started that trail with four liters of water. (laughs) Rookie AT move. (laughs) Well, one, I didn't get the, the freaking whatever it is, not the gut hook app, the far out app. Um, yeah. I didn't realize that I could have a personal companion telling me exactly how to run my life in on my phone, but, um, <laughs> it's great, <laughs> dude, it's cheating, man. Um, uh, no, <laughs> but, uh, no. So like every time we crossed water, we're like, well, we don't need this. Let's go down to three liters. Well, we don't need three liters. Let's go down to two liters, you know? And, um, but yeah, that's just common for us to have to carry weight in form of water, food, yeah, or or extra gear because you might get snowed on in August, you know. Yeah, man, it's a different ball game out there for sure. And again, my only frame of reference, I, I did hike in Colorado a little bit, but um, my main frame of reference is the PCT, which I know is not going to be exactly the same as as Utah, but but there's certainly a lot of more similar. Yeah, yeah, more similar to Utah than the East Coast is. Um, yeah, dude, there's a couple times on the PCT in the desert where I was carrying six liters of water. And that was probably more than most people. Cause I drink a lot. Uh, and so most people weren't carrying that much, but, uh, six liters of freaking water. Yeah. No good. Fortunately through the Sierras mm-hmm. where I had to carry the bear can and all the extra food and stuff that thankfully there's plenty of water or too much water. <laughs> a lot of the time going through there. And so, um, I didn't have to carry that much water in the Sierras, but, Brutal, dude. Absolutely brutal. But I, uh, I'm excited. I haven't been to Utah yet. It's one of the few Western states I haven't been to, and so I would love to come out I'm gonna, there. I'm gonna send you an invite. Like, uh, yeah, dude. We're gonna bring out and like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you an invite for like February. We gotta get some plans together. But and for February, yeah, let's do. Yeah, dude, we'll bring you out in the winter and we'll do some desert hiking. Yeah. Okay. Some like yeah. Red, red Rocks, Slot Canyon, something like that. Yeah, you know? dude. Oh, I'd be so down for we'll take that. Take you to Mars. Are you in? Yeah, dude. Take me to take me to freaking Mars, dude. Um, <laughs> I'm down, man. I'm so down. Where, where uh, we're located, um, we're 45 minutes from being down in Red Rock Desert. We're 45 minutes from being at 11,000 feet. So we have damn. this phenomenal testing ground, right? So our designer goes out every single week and does infield testing, and he can go wherever he possibly needs because within 45 minutes you're at whatever altitude whatever temperature whatever you know you need i i minus humidity that that we we can't really replicate humidity but we me yeah. and him are big sweaters so i mean give us five minutes we'll be human <laughs> <laughs> same same um dude thank you for coming on here tason um i am excited to try some of some of the gear for sure uh, i think you guys sent me some leggings i forget they're i'm in hawaii right now 
it's, I don't need them here. And so I had them sent to uh, my my parents' house on the on the East Coast. And so it'll be a little bit before I get to trying them out. But um, I'm excited to try those out. And then I know I was talking shit, but <laughs> I'll try some of your gear, man. I'll try. Just just because of you, because you've been like super cool. <laughs> and I appreciate you. Honestly, I really mean this. Like I feel like there's not a lot of other um, founders gear company reps that would come on here and just be down to like kind of clown around and like, you know, do some shit talking and, and, uh, put themselves out there like that. So I really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, dude, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. No, 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 uh, no worries. No pressure to, uh, use any of our product or anything. Um, one day we'll get you one day you'll come out at least on a Western hike and you'll be yeah. like, Hey, I am going to take you up on something, you know, or, but <laughs> well, if you um, take me to Utah, then, uh, maybe yeah. I can try some stuff. <laughs> we'll force you. We'll force it down to your underwear. Dude. It'll be like, all right, what are we going to make him pink? Yep. We'll do the pink <laughs> underwear and that'll be the stipulation we write in. <laughs> No, Outdoor Vitals makes underwear. No, uh, we have. We're not currently making underwear. We did it. We did it in a, a pair of wool that we did, but we've discontinued that line. And uh, lingerie too, or just regular. Um, I mean, I personally cut it up and made it as yeah, just as <laughs> as so much good. or little material as I wanted. I mean, what you... <laughs> awesome man, dude! Thank you so much, and of course, thank you to everybody watching and listening. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, you got to subscribe. We're going hard with the, the YouTube channel now. We're already well over a thousand subscribers. At this point, it might even be closer to 2,000. Um, and I appreciate all of you for watching. And if you're listening and you just refuse to watch on YouTube, I get it. It is a podcast, but please leave a five star review for the show. If you made it all the way to the end and you haven't skipped over this part where I'm just asking you to plug my or just plug in my bullshit. Uh, this I'm talking to you, man. Leave a five-star review, please. It helps the show, and it's totally free. And I want to get this show to over a 1,000 five-star reviews on Apple and Spotify. So please go do that. And thank you so much for watching and listening. I'll see you next week. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs>